0: Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the musical journey of an amateur piano player striving to play advanced-level works one day, specifically Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. Every week, we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the road to this goal, ranging from the 18th century all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work, examine the music within, and hopefully, we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. This is episode 15.1, marking the start of a brand new series. And it's also notable in that it's the episode that launches the second season of the podcast. So welcome back if you're a long-time listener. And hello to any new ears finding the podcast for the first time. This podcast has been on hiatus for a few months to allow me some time to recharge my batteries and keep up with the weekly production. I've also been busy learning a lot of new music, so I'm excited to talk about some new pieces this season. I think we have a nice mix in store for the future. So let's get started. We're going to start this season out with a nod to the start of the first season by exploring a set of preludes. But instead of sampling preludes from a variety of times and composers, we're going to laser our focus to one specific work, which also happens to be one of the quintessential works for the piano, Chopin's Opus 28, a set of 24 preludes. See, I warned you last season that this work would come back someday on this podcast, and that day has arrived. We're going to spend four episodes on this work, tackling two preludes per episode, so by the end of this series, we will have covered a third of the entire work. One of my lifetime piano goals is to be able to play the entire set of Chopin's preludes, so perhaps we'll cover the rest of them some other day. Chopin's opus 28 ranks up there with Bach's well-tempered clavier and Beethoven's piano sonatas as some of the most important works ever written for the piano. It was completed and published in 1839, placing it squarely within the Romantic period. The work consists of 24 short pieces, and Chopin wrote them with respect to his predecessor Bach. Paying homage to Bach's well tempered clavier, Chopin wrote one work for every major key and one for every minor key, giving us that magic 24 number. Chopin not only wrote a piece in every key, just like Bach, but he also named these short little pieces Preludes, which was a curious choice that doesn't actually make much sense. You see, Bach's Preludes preceded the fugues that followed them, but Chopin's, quote, Preludes don't actually precede anything. They stand alone. It's a prelude to the next prelude. Regardless of name, each of Chopin's preludes reflects a specific mood or aspect of his character, falling on a spectrum from suicidal to heartfelt happiness. It has been said that even if Chopin never wrote another work for the piano, this opus alone would have made him one of the most fully realized composers in history simply because he shed so much of his personality on the page. This work didn't come without a price, however, and the writing process did not come easily to Chopin. He toiled over every page, rewriting, throwing away drafts, spending days on a single page only to end up unsatisfied with the final product. His turmoil and frustration were well documented by his lover, Georges Sand who accompanied him to the island of Majorca one winter while he completed a majority of this work. She was a talented French novelist who was well-known in the Parisian art scene. She would witness the many moods of Chopin firsthand and give us a glimpse into the background of the creation of one of the finest works in piano literature. We're going to start our Season 2 adventure at the beginning of Chopin's Prelude Cycle. Now, Chopin didn't officially name his preludes, but a Romantic-era conductor named Hans von Bülow gave them all colorful titles, reflecting the diversity of Chopin's mood palette. Von Bülow's title for the first prelude is Reunion, which couldn't be more fitting for the launch of our second season. The first prelude is set in the most basic key of C major, which utilizes all of the white keys on the piano. And since an audio podcast isn't the best venue to talk about details of music theory, let's instead focus on building our ears to appreciate different aspects of music in season two. Back before the 1900s, musical keys actually carried emotional characteristics with them, and audiences would be familiar with these associations. Now, even though these affectations were largely subjective, they were well-known agreed upon. They're a bit like the musical zodiac signs. They're generally made up, but they're fun and they're commonly believed. So when we're looking at music that predates the 1900s, it's a worthwhile point to keep in mind. And since we're trying to get a sense of Chopin's many moods, this will be a useful point in our discussion. C major is the key of innocent happiness. It's described as completely pure, simple, and naïve. The key of children, free of burden, full of imagination, powerful resolve, earnestness, and it also can be religious. This is a fitting key for the theme of the prelude, titled Reunion by Von Bülow, but also described as the feverish anticipation of loved ones. This is a prelude that reflects the feeling of butterflies in your stomach. Chopin includes the musical direction of agitato, meaning to play quickly and with excitement. This is one of the shorter preludes, and its runtime is cut down even shorter due to the speed at which it is played, with most performances running under a minute. As Chopin's preludes encompass a wide variety of styles, they tend to be grouped into categories for better analysis. Prelude number one falls into the category of Chopin's idyllic preludes. The preludes in this group share several characteristics. They're in a major key. Check, we're in C major. They have a moderate tempo. Eh, this might be a little quicker than moderate here, but we're not far off. And lastly, they're monothematic. We haven't talked about this aspect of prelude number one yet, but it definitely fits the bill. The entire prelude is based on a repetitive theme that happens over and over with harmonic progression. Let's listen to the first section so you can get an idea of what I'm talking about. Try to recognize the repetitive rhythm Now, without diving into relentless detail about the harmonic progression, I do want to highlight the climax. Chopin employs a feature common in romantic music called chromaticism, which is using a latter approach to build a harmony, note by note, either ascending or descending. In this prelude, Chopin utilizes an ascending chromatic harmony to build to a climactic chord Now, there's a lot of filler notes and inner voicing within this prelude, so I'm going to isolate the important harmonic elements and slow it down a bit so we can truly appreciate the chromatic climb. Now, hopefully you'll be able to pick out that section when we add in the middle voicing and bring the speed back up. After the climax, the prelude cools off and fades away with the repetitive statement. Then it closes with an arpeggiated C major chord. Well, here it is, the first piece of season number two, the feverish anticipation of loved ones reflecting Chopin's innocent happiness. This is Reunion, The first prelude in C major from Chopin's Opus 28. And now we're going to completely switch gears and explore one of the preludes on the opposite end of the mood spectrum. Prelude number four in E minor. Now, yes, I know this is the first episode of the second season, and we're already encountering a piece that we've talked about on this podcast before. But I make you two promises. There are only a handful of encore performances during the second season, and they will only be in episodes where we include other new music. So having said that, this might just be my favorite of all of Chopin's preludes, and I wanted to re-record it on my new piano to have better audio quality. You may recall that Von Bülow nicknamed prelude number four, Suffocation. And it's widely believed that this prelude represents Chopin's response to being diagnosed with tuberculosis during the winter months in Majorca. When he was first diagnosed, the people of Majorca were so worried about infection that they would not allow Chopin or Miss Sand to rent any accommodations within the city. They ended up staying in a secluded monastery in Valdemosa, far away from the vibrant city life. Back in the 1800s, tuberculosis infection was often a death sentence. Chopin felt the weight of the Grim Reaper's clock bearing down on him and he wrote Prelude Number 4 as a grave ode to the overwhelming feeling of impending doom. He chose the key of E minor to accompany this mood. E minor, effeminate, amorous, restless. This key can carry grief, mournfulness, restlessness, like a princess locked in a tower longing for her rescuer and her future lover. Seems fitting. This prelude definitely carries the feelings of grief and isolation. Dealing with the reality of a tuberculosis diagnosis, alone in a secluded monastery. But I don't know if it shares the hopeful yearning for Prince Charming I think Chopin was a bit more pessimistic and morbid. Perhaps that's why this prelude is also known as What Tears Are Shed From the Depths of the Damp Monastery. But the only thing resembling a name that Chopin himself gave this prelude was a simple instruction of Largo, meaning slow and dignified. Prelude number four falls under the category of elegiac preludes and is a fine example of all three of the following criteria. They are dramatic, they're extremely slow, and they end by fading away. If you'd like to dive into some of the more musical elements of this prelude, check out episode 2.2. It's one of the very first episodes of the podcast. But since we've discussed this particular piece in detail in the past, let's jump right into the new and improved recording. This is Suffocation, the fourth prelude in E minor, from Chopin's Opus 28. Well, it is good to be back. I think these two preludes provide a great foundation for the many moods of Chopin, and a great start to season number two. We'll continue this series next week with another prelude pairing. You can find the standalone recordings of the pieces we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks heard on this podcast and more. You can find me on Twitter at PianoRhapsody or email me at PianoRhapsodyPodcast at gmail.com. If you're a new listener, please take a second, and yes, I promise it just takes a second, to hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating and reviewing. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode and it helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. And for season two, I have found a sign-off. The piano keys are black and white, but they sound like a million colors in your mind. Talk to you next Tuesday.